Mark chapter 5. Verse number 25. Now a certain woman had an issue of blood, a flow of blood, the New King James says, for 12 years. Somebody said 12 years. Hallelujah. Yeah. 12 years. And it suffered many things for many physicians, physicians or doctors. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If only I can just touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. I shall be healed. I shall be well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I'm going to stop right there. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that, that you said that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. You said you'd prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives this day. Anoint me afresh. I might minister under your anointing. Your peculiar anointing, Lord God, effectively and efficiently, Lord, this day, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk about the power of an expectant heart. The power of an expectant heart, expectant will, spirit. Amen? Last couple of Sundays we've dealt with, a few Sundays ago we talked about the power of perception. You need to get that message and listen to it. Last Sunday we talked about it's from the finished work. You need to get that message. You need to listen to it. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, I recommend, do we have copies of those messages? I recommend that you purchase those messages. It will bless your heart. Today we want to talk about the power of an expectant heart. And the messages kind of flow together. Because of the things that God is doing and the things that God wants to do in the lives of his people. God has been dealing with us about faith and the power of faith. How, it, how important it is for us to live by faith. For us to walk in faith. All right? 
and, 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 and how important it is for us to perceive uh, him, perceive what he's doing, perceive those that he's placed in our midst so that we can receive properly from the Lord because unless you perceive, you won't receive. Right. And unless you understand that when Jesus died on the cross and said it is finished, that he had finished the work that God had sent him in the world to do, all right? He finished everything that needed to be done for us. So healing has been finished. Deliverance has been finished. It's been accomplished. Amen. Whatever we need has already taken place, all right? God has already done the work. And so our faith proceeds from the finished work of Christ on Calvary. So when we pray, we don't pray expecting something. Uh, we don't pray looking for something to happen. We pray from the vantage point that it has already happened. So we are, we are, we are praying, believing that God will do this thing. Now today, I want to talk about the power of an expected heart because as you see as we go into the message, all of this ties together with faith. What is expectation? Expectation is the act or the state of expecting or believing. Uh, the state of looking forward to something. The state of anticipating something. It is a mental attitude. And for us, it is a spiritual attitude. All right? We are looking for this thing to not just happen, but to manifest. All right? We're looking for the manifestation because we believe that it has already happened. All right. We believe that it has already happened. And as I was praying about a message for today, the Lord laid this in my spirit and, and showed me this lady in the scriptures who had an issue of blood, had been sick for 12 years. 12 years this lady had been sick. <clears throat> and she had gone from doctor to doctor and nobody could help her out. She spent everything she had, all of her living, she spent all of her savings, she had spent trying to get this issue of blood, this blood flow, this, 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 this nonstop blood flow to stop. But nobody could help her. Nobody could help her. But one day she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. And she went to Jesus with great anticipation, a great expectation, all right? Because the Bible says that when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and she touched his clothes. She said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be well. She did not say, I might be well. She said, I shall be well. So when she came to Jesus that day, she came expecting healing to take place in her body. There was no doubt in her mind because she didn't say, I might be. She said, I shall be well. Hallelujah. Now, I cannot believe for you. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I cannot believe for you. You got that? 
You got that? Now, look to the other side of you. Tell your name. Neighbor, I cannot believe for you. Hallelujah. This lady came expecting healing to take place in her body. She came expecting healing to take place in her body. And when she, when she, well, 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 well. So she came with great expectation. When, when, she, when, she, when she heard about Jesus, she made it her business that she was going to get to Jesus. She's tried a whole lot of things. And when we look at us, we tried a lot of things in our lives to make certain things happen. You're here today with a need in your life. And you've tried a lot of things to get that need met. But I want to tell you, there's, some, there's someone who can meet your need. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. When I looked at this scripture, I asked myself the question, where is expectation conceived? Where is expectation conceived? Well, when I look at this scripture, expectation is conceived in what we are told. Simple. What we hear. If you tell your child tomorrow, I'm going to buy you a new game. Your child is going to, on tomorrow, your child is going to come and say, what? Mama, daddy, where's my game? Because they now have conceived expectation from what you said. Are you listening? This woman heard about Jesus. And she conceived expectation in her spirit that this same Jesus who's healed so many people, can heal me. She just heard. Lord have mercy. Now we might say that, 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 that expectation is conceived in faith. However, that's not actually the case because faith comes by what? You got to hear. You got to hear. Tell your neighbor, you got to hear. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we've got to hear the word of God. And so, so our expectation, which is also tied to faith, is birth, is conceived, not birth, is conceived in our hearing. That's why these gates are so important, saints. These gates are so important. Let me, let, let, let's go on with this. And you have to put yourself in a position, listen now, don't miss this. You have to put yourself in the position to hear. I'll say it again. You have to put yourself in the position to hear. All right? Or to be told, which means that you're going to hear, about what God has done, is doing 
or is capable of doing in order to expect him to do anything. Somebody got to tell you something. All right? A lot of people are not in the position to hear. I'm, let me tell you something that I'm guilty of. We have a 6.30 prayer call in the morning. Every morning, Monday through Friday, we have a 6.30 prayer call. Sometimes I say, well, I'm going to lay here and listen to the call. And guess what happens? I go back to sleep. Because I'm not in a position to hear. I don't care how tired my body is, if I get up, and sit on the side of the bed and either have my, 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 my notepad on my phone or my iPad on my computer and I, and I set myself to hear, then I will hear. But if I say I'm going to lay here and listen, I fall back to sleep. You got to be in a position to hear. And let me say this, even when you come to worship on Sunday, you have to be in a position to hear. That's why it's so important for you not to stay up all hours of the night on Saturday night when you value what will take place in the worship experience because your, your, your physical man, your spirit might be willing, but your flesh is weak, and you have to set yourself so that you are alert enough to hear. So many people are not in a position here. Not just that, but even unbelievers. Listen, the Bible says that the unbeliever's mind is blinded by Satan. So they are not in a position to hear because Satan has already blinded their minds. Let me tell you what the devil will do. He will take advantage of of situations and circumstances to keep the minds of the unbelievers blinded. Oh, yes, he will. Even the death of a loved one. If a person is an unbeliever, Satan will take advantage of that to blind their minds to God. Why did God take this person? Why did God... What makes your loved one so valuable that God can't take them? You didn't create them. God created them. They belong to him. They don't belong to you. If God could give his only begotten son to die on the cross, what makes our loved ones so important that God can't take them? You see how the devil... What will cause bitterness, he will use even circumstances and situations like that to stir up bitterness in the hearts and the minds and the spirits of people who are unbelievers or who are even weak in the faith. The good thing about being weak in the faith is that at least you're in the faith. If you're not in the faith, it makes it very difficult to reach you. I didn't say impossible. I said very difficult. Yep, yep, yep. You see, the unbeliever is already in a precarious situation because they're skeptical of God. 
or they've already made decisions about him drawn from conclusions that are incorrect. What are the incorrect conclusions that believe that the world has about God? That, 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 that God is love, and if God is love, then God would not allow anything bad to happen to anybody. The world does not understand that we've chosen sin. And God has no obligation. As a matter of fact, God is not going to go across your will to stop trouble from coming in your life when you choose to do certain things. He created you in his own image and his own likeness, which means he created you as a spiritual being, with, as a free will agent with the capacity to choose. And whenever God violates that capacity of yours to choose, then God has violated a creative principle. And God does not violate that. So you have a right to do anything you want to do. He doesn't violate it. He doesn't violate it. And the world wants to paint this picture. Well, you know, if, if, if God is so good, then he wouldn't allow earthquakes to happen. If God is so good, he wouldn't allow people to get killed in hurricanes. It, why not point this, paint this picture? If people love and honor God, they'll live godly lives. If people love and honor God, they will worship him. They will honor him. They will bow down before him. If people love and honor God, so 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 so, you know, many unbelievers, you know, their minds are already skewed the wrong way against God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got this logical thing where people try to figure God out. You can't figure God out. God does not operate in it from a natural perspective. The Bible says the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. When do I become a spiritual person? When I give my, when I give my life to Jesus and I allow his Spirit to live inside of me, then I'm in a position to discern the things of the Spirit. So short of a miracle a mighty move of God in the unbeliever's life, they're not going to believe. Sometimes when you're sharing the word to unbelievers, it's like showing pearl among swine. They don't know the value of it. I said sometimes, okay? They don't know the value of it, and so they will trample it under their feet. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Buy, buy the most expensive diamond in the world and take it to a hog pen. And say, here, hog, this is the most expensive diamond in the world. Value it. Well, first of all, the hog will probably put it in his mouth and try to chew it up. If he can't chew it up, he's going to mash it down in the mud. Because he has no value of it. And many times, and I'm not saying that we should not share the, I want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we don't share the word to unbelievers. Because we share the word. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. But God works the miracle of faith being birthed in a person so that they can hear and believe that word that we share. Short of a miracle from God, a move of God, it's difficult for an unbeliever to hear God. They are in a position of unbelief, and Satan continuously builds his case against God in their minds. 
He continuously, he's, he's definitely, he's building a case against God. Every bad thing that happens, they blame God for it. Y'all met anybody like that? They blame God for it. Every negative thing that is getting warm in here, huh? Oh. Every negative thing that happens, they blame God for it. So many unbelievers, many dismiss God altogether. They say he is not, he does not exist, and therefore they shut themselves off from the possibility of hearing anything about him. They have no expectation of him because they do not believe that he is. And Hebrews 11 and 6 says, amen, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, that's a powerful verse in and of itself because among all that it says, it tells us that there is a reward for those of us who come to God in faith. Are you hearing me? There is a reward for those of us who come to God believing that he exists. There is a reward because when I believe he exists, I'm going to seek him. I want to know him. I want to know more about him. I, 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 I want to discover who he is. But if I don't believe he exists, then I'm not going to seek him out. The woman in this text heard about Jesus. She believed that Jesus existed. Because if she didn't believe that Jesus was real and that he could heal, she never would have went. And she got to Jesus. She got to Jesus, and there is a crowd around Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to jump there. I, I, I got to say something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, you know, I don't know if we have a concept of what it means to diligently seek the Lord out. I don't know if we really understand what it means to diligently seek the Lord. I mean, I wish I could just show you what it means to diligently seek the Lord. I mean, you know, it's like, give me somebody standing in the middle of the floor. Trevor, come on. Stand up here. And I want to crowd around him. Well, y'all need to turn the other way since I'm on this side. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and here this woman is coming to Jesus. And there's a crowd around him. Now, 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 now let me say this, that, that when, when the Bible says, touch the hem of his garment, Hebrew men wore robes, and on the bottom of the robes were tassels. So it didn't actually mean that he, she had to touch the entire garment. But she, she, she hears about Jesus, and there's a crowd around him. And, and, you know, I mean, of course, a crowd is more than just 15 people. Probably maybe five or 600 people around Jesus. And she gets there, and Jesus is surrounded. Now, now she could have looked at the crowd and said, there's no way. There, there's no way I can get there. There's too many people. And, and I already, I got this problem in my body. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, something had already happened because she has this flow. This is your blood. that just stopped. She does not stop bleeding. And she could have been embarrassed. Well, she'd already, let me, let me tell you something about embarrassment. 
Sometimes when you've been embarrassed, just forget about it and go on and do what you got to do. Because it doesn't make any difference what people think about you. You need to get to Jesus. So there's this crowd around Jesus, and she doesn't want to touch his head. She might be tall enough to touch his head, but she has a revelation that she needs to touch the hem of his garment. But there is a crowd around him, so what she has to do is to get to the hem of his garment, she got to get down. The people didn't move. People didn't move. She, she got to get down, and she got to get through the crowd so she can touch the hem of his garment. I hope I touched the right person. I got the right one. And see, now that's the other thing. When the crowd is around, you got to touch the right person. When you're down there, you can't see whose tassel you're touching because a whole lot of men were in the crowd. But when you have a desire to know Jesus, the Holy Ghost is already working and he's going to guide you. Let me tell you something. There are crowds around you that's stopping you from getting to Jesus. You got, a, you got an issue, and you've been trying to get this issue fixed for many years, but there are crowds around you. Let me tell you about some of those crowds. The music you listen to. Huh, the television shows you watch. Lord have mercy. All this foolishness on TV, y'all really, I don't mean no harm, but a whole lot of that is stopping people from getting to Jesus. People you associate with. Well, let me go back to TV. By the time you finish watching the preachers of L.A. and the preachers' wives or whatever, and you're watching all of this stuff, the devil is planting negative thoughts in your mind about the church that, that, that he's already been trying to plant there. And he's just reinforcing in your mind and in your spirit uh, that this is the truth, and this is where all preachers are, and this is where all churches are. All of these things that are crowding you out, you have your own problems. They're crowding you. You can't hear Jesus because you're hearing all of this stuff that's coming in your mind and all of this stuff that's surrounding you, and you cannot get to Jesus because of the crowds. It could be sickness. It could be financial disaster. You lost your job. You lost your home. You lost your family. You lost your car. You lost your shoes. You lost your dog and your cat. All of these crowds around you. It's crowding you out. Your friends, young people, your buddies, you hear mom and daddy say one thing, but you get to school and you get on your phone and you talk to your friends and they're telling you something else. The lust of the flesh will crowd out Jesus. Things that you just want to do. So if, if, if expectation is to be conceived, you've got to get in the position to hear. I'll say it again. If expectation is to be conceived, you've got to get in the position to hear. No doubt there's some crowds that's drowning me out in somebody's mind today. 
All I can say is get in a position to hear. Get in a position to hear. Hallelujah. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? What is your spirit man? What is your spirit woman open to today? What are you open to? Most of us, because we're here in the worship experience, are positioned correctly today, most of us. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is ministering. The Lord is revealing something of his nature and his ways. Today, he is. He's showing you some things about him. You're in the right place physically. Are you in the right place spiritually? Because you got to be in the right position to conceive. This woman had expectation. She believed that Jesus Christ could do for her what needed to be done. So she went forth from that perspective. You've got to develop this expectant heart. And when I say heart, whenever the Bible speaks of heart, it's dealing with your will and your emotions. It's not dealing with this, this organ that pumps blood. So your will and your emotions have to be in expectancy of what God, who God is and what God can do. You've got to develop that. That means, you know, it's almost like the Scripture says, oh, taste and see. I can look at the apple pie. And it can look good, but it, you don't know whether it's good until you taste it. You got to taste it. A whole lot of people's food look good, but it doesn't taste good. You got to be careful. Some things look wonderful, but when you get it in your mouth. But I want you to know that God is good. And if you want to, if you want to develop this, 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 this spirit, this, 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 this heart of expectancy, if you want your emotions, your emotions and your will to be in expectation of what God will do in your, you got to taste, you got to try, you got to go after him. And when you go to God, you don't come to God, well, I'm just going to see if this will happen. You got to believe that it's going to happen. You don't go to God looking with doubt, oh, this is not going to happen. I'm just going to try it because the preacher said try it. <sighs> Somebody might say, well, preacher, I've been expecting, but there is no evidence to support my expectation. Well, faith, faith is the confidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, or did I get that backwards? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is my confidence that what I'm expecting of God is going to take place. Faith is also my evidence. This woman, this woman, this woman, this woman, she went to Jesus with all of the evidence she needed because she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. She didn't need anybody else to tell her anything else. She'd heard enough, and she went to Jesus with that expectation. Her confidence was sealed. Confidence was sealed. Now look at this 11th chapter of Hebrews, and I wrote down, this is the whole reason for this chapter in the Bible. So many of us have said, I've tried, and I've tried, I've heard, and I, and I have believed. I want you to know, keep on believing. Keep on hearing. And don't keep trying, but keep on acting on the Word of God. Just keep on doing it. 
You see, because God doesn't always move immediately for everybody. But I guarantee you, when he sees your faith, because faith moves God. When God sees your faith, he will move. You see, when you first try, start trying, you may not be trying in faith. You might be just trying. There's a whole lot of doubt in the back of your mind. And sometimes, sometimes the Lord, when he sees that you're trying, sometimes the Lord will shake your faith so that you have to, you don't have anybody else you can turn to. You don't have anybody else you can lean on. You don't have anybody else you can call on. It's nobody but God. Sometimes God will shake your faith so that your faith will reach out, so that you and your faith will reach out to him. Lord, have mercy. Who keep on because God will reward. Somebody say reward. God will reward those who diligently seek him. Hallelujah. 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 Expectation births manifestation. Expectation births manifestation. If there is no expectation, there will be no manifestation. What do you say about a woman who's pregnant? She is. What, do you expect somebody that's not expecting to have a baby? Right? You don't, if, if they're not expecting, you don't expect them to have a baby. But if they are expecting, barring anything else happening, and they go full term, guess what's going to happen? Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody today that manifestation is on the way in your life. No man plants a seed. No man plants seed today and gets a harvest tomorrow. I want to tell you, manifestation is on the way. Somebody says on the way. There is a reward for those who diligently seek the Lord. You do not plant today and get a harvest tomorrow. But if you go full course... Lord, have mercy. There's not a woman that conceives today, and tomorrow she gives birth. There's a gestation period. There's a, there's, a, there's a time of growth and development of that seed in the womb that must take place before the child is ready to be born. You cannot shorten the process. Only God can. And let me tell you this. Are y'all listening? In pregnancy... And those of us, women can attest to this, who've had babies, and those of us who've been married and dealt with our, had to live with our wives in the midst of, of, of being pregnant, you understand this is the truth. There is a lot that goes on in the body of a woman when she's pregnant. There's a lot that goes on in the relationship of a husband and a wife. Right? Anyway. This is, y'all, I, I, I wanted to say, you know, this is a part of, the, of the, the family process. And what we don't understand is, we don't understand what God was doing in the family process. And that's why we have all these babies out of wedlock. And here, you got to deal with all this by yourself while that guy is kicking and going, getting somebody else pregnant. And, running, and he, he's not even experiencing anything. And then... At the hospital, tell me, I, I'm a daddy. Daddy, being a daddy don't start when the baby is born. 
and being a daddy is not she living over here and the child over here, probably with the grandmama, while you somewhere else. But there is a lot that goes on in the relationship because when you're there with your wife and she has morning sickness and her feet are swelling, and I'm just going to name a few, there's a whole lot of stuff that, that goes on in the body when a woman is pregnant and she's dealing with the aches and the pains because the changes that's going on in her body, it, 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 it does something to the man as well. But I want to parallel this to the, to the spirit realm because we need to hear this because we think that just because I have faith that everything is just going to be fine and God is just going to move and I'm not going to have any more problems because I got faith, I got faith, I got faith. Well, some, some of the changes, uh, 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 there are changes that are going to take place in you all right, when, when the seed of expectation is planted in your spirit because the Holy Ghost is going to bring about these changes in you so that you will be ready when that birth takes place. Not only is the Holy Spirit preparing you for the manifestation, but Satan is going to try to abort the manifestation. Because Satan doesn't want you to come to really know the Lord. He does, not, he does not want to see your faith manifested through the coming forth of what you ask God for. So every time there is a conception of expectancy in you, the devil gets busy because he wants to stop you from ever giving birth to whatever it was God planted in your spirit. Or whatever it was you asked God for. So he goes to work and he starts working against you because he's trying to kill that seed. He's trying to kill the word in you. He's trying to kill your hope. He's trying to kill your expectation. This is making sense to anybody. But what do you have to do? Ask your neighbor, what do you have to do? You've got to keep on expecting. In the midst of what the devil is trying to do, you've got to keep on nourishing yourself. You've got to keep, you've got to, you got to pace yourself. You've got to exercise yourself in the spirit. You've got to speak to yourself the word of God over your expectation. You've got to spend time in the presence of God. This is what you've got to do. You've got, you got to worship. You've you got to pray. You've got to, you got, you got to meditate. You've got to rest. You've got to serve. You got to keep that seed that's been planted in you nourished. You got to do that. I can do my part for you, which is encouraging you in the word, preaching the word to you, but you've got to do your part. Satan comes after the word once it's sown. In our, in our young adult class this morning, and I walked in as they were discussing how you got to keep your mind focused because the devil is coming at you. What is he trying to do? He's trying to shake your faith because if he shakes your faith, he'll abort the seed. The woman with the issue of blood must have carried her expectation well because she received the manifestation. Her baby was born. She touched the hem of Jesus' garment and immediately the Bible says her issue dried up. Immediately, her issue dried up. One last thing I want to share with you today. Are y'all still here? 
Is this helping anybody? I want to ask you a question. Why could Jesus heal this woman? Why could Jesus heal this woman? He could heal her, yes, because of who he was and is. But who is he? And see, that's the question. That, 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 that's the question because, you know, now we're dealing with a whole lot of people who, who want to buy into the Muslim faith, say Jesus is a prophet. Some people say he's only the son of God. And what the revelation we, of Jesus is what's so important in this text and so important to everything that Jesus did. Remember that Jesus could not do many mighty works because the people in Nazareth, because the people didn't believe him. They did not just believe him. They didn't believe who he was. So the all-important question that makes all of the difference in the world is who is Jesus? He's the Christ. He's the only one of God. Yes, he is. But it goes further than that. Why could Jesus heal this woman? Because he is the almighty God. We don't serve three different gods. We serve one God who has revealed himself in the history of man in three different ways. But Jesus is still the almighty God. What does the almightiness of God mean to you? Because you see, the issue is, is that we don't allow God to be almighty in our lives, except in certain things. We say he's almighty, we sing about his, his almightiness, but what about in situations and circumstances when I say that he's the almighty God? I'm saying that he comes short of nothing. Everything that needs to be is already in him. So when she went to Jesus that day, she went to the one who was the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Isn't that what the Bible says? Jesus Christ was the almighty God. Is the almighty God. Somebody say almighty. almighty. Think of sickness and say almighty. almighty. Think of negative report from the doctor. Shout almighty. almighty. Think of trouble in your home and shout almighty. almighty. No, shout almighty God. Think of trouble with your children. Shout Almighty God. Think about financial disaster. Shout Almighty God. Think about earthquakes in diverse places. Shout Almighty God. Think about death and shout Almighty God. Whatever you can think of, when you come to Jesus, you're coming to the Almighty God. And He can do. There is nothing that is impossible for him because he's the almighty God. That woman touched him with his garment and he said, who touched me? Glory to God. Because he was not just Jesus in the flesh, but he was the almighty God. And virtue went out of him and went into that woman and healing took place in her body. Immediately. 
Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Hey God. She had conceived expectation in the power of the almighty God. Yeah. Yeah. We used to hear people sing a song. Uh, he's in here now, married little baby. I said, no, he ain't married little baby no more. Yeah. We singing that song. Don't be singing stuff that's not the truth. Sing the truth. He's the almighty God. Ah, yes, 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 yes. When he got up out of the grave, he got up with all power in his hand. Not partial power. He got up with all power in his hands. Sometimes we give the example of father, son. You know, we talk about the spirit. Amen. But let me tell you something. My son might be of me, but he doesn't have the same anointing that I have. But Jesus had the same anointing that God had because he's the almighty God. So that, that example doesn't really match up. We got to see him as he is. He's the almighty God. He's the almighty God. I don't care what your situation is. He's the almighty God. Bring your situation to the almighty God. And watch the almighty God show his mightiness. Watch the almighty God move in his mightiness. He's the almighty God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. You need a revelation of who Jesus is. You need a revelation of who Jesus is. So that when you go to him, you know who you're going to. When you go to him, you know what power you're going to. Oh, Lord God Almighty. Lord God Almighty. Lord God Almighty. Lord God Almighty. Glory, 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 glory. You need to raise the level of your expectancy. You need to raise the level of your expectancy. You need to walk in who Jesus is. Talk about who he is. Build your faith in the almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Oh, oh, the almighty God. The almighty God. He's not coming short of anything. He has deliverance. Yeah, he has healing. Yeah, financial prosperity. Breakthroughs, everything you need. Oh my goodness, because He's the Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand. Hallelujah, Father. I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the power of your Word. I thank you that your Word will not return to you void. Your Word will accomplish all that you desire. You prosper your Word in the things that you sent your Word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for stirring our hearts to expect you. For stirring our hearts uh, to build on that expectation.
Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst right now. Even as you're moving in each one of our lives. Hallelujah. Your word is quick. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. We've experienced the power of your word this day. Now, Father, we pray for the unbeliever in this house. We pray to God that that person will get a revelation of who you are. Not a revelation of church, not a revelation of kingdom right now, but just a revelation of who you are. I pray for that person who's an unbeliever today, that they will yield their lives to you as their Savior and their Lord. I pray for the, the backslider today, that person who at one point had started a walk with you but had turned around and gone back into the world, the person that's crowded with so many voices, so many things, when they try to get to you, they've been finding it very difficult, and some have turned away. I pray for that person today. Lord God, I pray that today they'll get their breakthrough. Today, there's breakthrough in the spirit. There's breakthrough in the atmosphere. Hallelujah, because you are the God of a breakthrough. Ooh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your ministering angels that's moving throughout the sanctuary right now. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, the altar is open.